So tonight we're going to talk about earnest, heartfelt prayer. And we're just going to have a conversation. How about that? And I wanted to start off by telling you a little story. And the story explains why I'm sitting in this chair behind this pulpit, okay? So it's going to actually lead us into the message tonight. Because you know what? God can take your mess and he can make a message out of it. He can take your test and he can make a testimony. Amen? And it's the best. It's the best. Oh, it tastes so good. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you. So last month, actually it was June 1st, I was attending my oldest son's wedding. And he married his high school sweetheart. (laughs) The story is a sweet love story, really, because my son will be 46 next month. (laughs) And um, my beautiful daughter-in-law, you know, as so often happens in high school, they spent uh, time dating at that time, but then went their separate ways. And uh, we're reunited just a couple years ago. They found each other again. And uh, it was meant to be. Mrs. D was meant to be. And uh, so they were married up in uh, the location in the mountains. It was so beautiful up there. It was an outdoor wedding. It was just lovely. And um, everyone was just so delighted because they truly are just the perfect fit, you know? And so the day after the wedding, because we spent the weekend up there, I was getting ready to leave and packing my car, and I had my arms full of pillows, and I had the clothes over my shoulder, and I had been warned, hey, let me help you. My son was saying, David was saying, "Uh, don't do that, Mom, let me help you. And of course, you oh, no, I've got it. (laughs) And I was hurrying, because I'm always on a mission. How about you? So I was hurrying and I was carrying things down the stairs of this hotel. This hotel was beautiful. It was built in 1853. Yeah. So the stairs were a little different. You know, they were carpeted and they were short. And I had my arms full and I didn't see the last four steps. And I fell down the stairs. And I knew right away that, you know, the injury was pretty intense because it was very painful and it was burning and all of that. And so I broke my ankle and I badly sprained it as well. So the first week, you know, I couldn't tolerate putting any pressure on it. So I really could not walk. The second week I went and had an x-ray. Well, actually I went the first week and had an x-ray and the x-ray just showed, you know, a chip bone or something. But it was so swollen and so painful. Pastor Brenda had encouraged me, you know, go back because that happened to James once. And when he went back, he found out that it was actually broken. So I made an appointment for the next day and went in. And sure enough, I had the favor of God. I'm telling you, this x-ray technician, this lady, she actually brings Lydia to church here. Praise God. It was such a precious divine little connection but I had such favor with her before she even knew that because I found that out hours later when she came to check on me and um, she said oh this is definitely broken and you really need to be seen today I'm going to go in there and I'm going to on your behalf tell them that you need to be seen and so I said all right hallelujah thank you so much and then later on I found out the connection but isn't that precious how God does that and so um I was able to get a splint at that time and some crutches and I was barely making it around. And then, you know, the next week that progressed to like, 
I went back and uh, got a, a boot, the boot here. And so then I came with a one crutch and a boot. So we're making progress and healing is happening. And it's such a blessing. But, you know, it's challenging to get around. And they won't let you drive in these boots. you got to take it on and take it off. And that was painful, getting in the car and taking it on and taking it off. And so, you know, it just was very challenging. And it was inconvenient. It was painful. And guess what? It was really bad timing. Have you ever had that happen before? I don't have time for this, you know? And so um, I just began to feel like I was losing peace in my soul. And I stopped because I've trained myself. When I, I start sensing that, I've trained myself to stop and take account. Stop looking at what I don't see and start looking at what I can see. Stop focusing on what I don't have and start focusing on what I do have. And so that caused gratitude to rise up in my heart because I just began to think about that little song. This is where I wanted you to do that, PT, the little song. Right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. So just, oh, just, can you just do it just real quick? So there was a little song that I learned in Sunday school and I, I just had this rising up in my heart. How many of you have a favorite song from Sunday school? Hallelujah. Well, this was one of my favorite songs, and it goes like this. there. So then it goes like this. Here's the words. It goes like this. When upon life's billows you are tempted, tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And soon you will discover what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will keep singing as the days go by. And then the last was, and so admit the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much. So the Holy Spirit will use what is in you and what is planted in you even from a child. I can't tell you in children's church, I always used to teach about the inward witness. And I would teach about it with the yellow light, red light, green light. And I would just say down on the inside, if you have a red light, don't run it. Because if you run red lights, you can get in an accident. If you have a yellow light, that means be cautious, stop, pray, wait. If you have a green light, that means pursue. And to this day, I can't tell you how many kids, I mean, the kids that were in children's church with me for 17 years are now um, sitting in the auditorium in their 40s, you know. And they remember the yellow light, the red light, the green light, they do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
They teach it. Now they're teaching it. Yeah, there you go. So that, that seed that was planted in me began to rise up, and I kept recounting that song, and I began to be grateful for what I do have. Lord, I thank you that my ankle will heal. I thank you that the bones and ligaments are healing now. I thank you that I didn't break both my feet. Oh, man. I'm thankful for ice. I'm thankful that this too shall pass. Amen. And then I began to think about others who are so challenged every day with much greater things. Amen. I thought about the veterans and countless other people who have lost their limbs. I thought about those who have no home to be comfortable in while they recover. I thought about people with disabilities that deal with inconvenience every day. Oh, and the compassion of God that just rose up on the inside of me. I began to allow that compassion to express itself. And you know how it expressed itself? Through prayer. And I began to pray for others with this heartfelt, deep intercession on the inside of me. And you know, praying for other people, that helped me more than anything else. Because I got my focus off of me and onto them. And I allowed God to move in and through me. And then one night I fell asleep. And I had a dream. And in the dream, there was a young lady. I couldn't see her face. But written all over her was despondency, despair, hopelessness. And in the dream, I saw her on the sidewalk. She was up against a wall. She was thin and had ragged clothes. Her hair was messy. She was soiled. Her hands were curled up. And although I didn't see any children, I knew that she had a concern for her little ones. And I awoke. I was so moved again with that compassion that God was stirring within me. Just moved with that compassion. Earnest, heartfelt, deep desire rose up in my heart for a group of people in this actual condition and they're called the homeless now I pray for the homeless but this was different this was that place of intercession where you step in to stand in the gap and you take on what they're experiencing and I mean God just enlarged my heart He enlarged the capacity of my heart to pray at another level. Hallelujah. So many, a multitude of people need prayer. So many, so many out there. I mean, it is an epidemic. It is a crisis that we're in. And this is just one group of people. But it's the one that God put on my heart at that time. And... You know, people need an intervention from God. I know I do. How about you? People 
need hope. People need life. They need the life of God. Amen? And you know what? They all have a story. So, I'm going to have you turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And we're going to read out of the Amplified. Because this is the scripture that God gave me. And we're going to break it down a little bit tonight. I don't know how far we'll get, but we're just going to go with the Holy Ghost here. So, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 in the Amplified says this. If my people, now see that's conditional, right away, if, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, pray and seek and crave and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to do something, God says. He says, then... I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will do something that you cannot do. I will heal their land. Amen. Amen. Then verse 15 says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer offered in this place. Remember the place in the spirit that you pray from. And God says, when you do these things, that his ears will be open and attentive. His eyes will be open. And he's going to move in behalf of your prayers. So, again, breaking it down, who are my people? Who's us? Specifically, Christians. Isn't that what we're called? Christ ones. Amen? Followers of Christ. If my people, that means Christians, will do something, humble themselves. You know, sometimes we just got to lay aside our own thoughts and take up his thoughts. We got to put away judgment and allow mercy, amen, to rise up on the inside. Because everybody has a story. And everybody sitting next to you has a story, has a test, has a testimony. Amen? Amen. And so, when we put away judgment and we humble ourselves, I looked up, actually, I pulled out my old Strong's Concordance. (laughs) Yeah. And I looked up what humble meant in this particular passage. And it means to bend your knee. To bring down is to subjection. To come under and to subdue. Subdue what? Come under what? Well, the word of God. And the word of God tells us to love. Amen? The word of God tells us not to judge. And yeah, there's a lot of people scamming out there. But I don't know about you. You got to be led, first of all. Be led, be led, be led. But also, we've got to not have an attitude of judgment about the person on the street, or about this situation, or about that. Let God speak to you. Don't be quick to judge. Be quick to love. So, um, to humble ourselves, that would be uh, one of the things. So, my people who humble themselves, again, got to ask What's the story? Uh, And then the next thing, 
on that list would be to pray. To pray. So what kind of prayer is required? I started thinking about this. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 6.18, you know, pray at all times. So have an attitude of prayer about you. Be prayerful about things. As you're going about your day, don't stay in the natural. Just begin to allow God to show you things through his eyes. Amen? Remember the story about the time when I was picking up the trash after a funeral? I was the last one here. Everybody had left. It was a memorial service and there was tissue all over the floor. And I went to pick up that trash. And that was my attitude. Like, I'm going to pick up this trash. And the Lord stopped me and, and brought revelation to me. That's not trash. That's the tears of the saints. So see, we've got to look like God looks. Amen? It was precious to him. Hallelujah. So I started thinking about praying at all times. Carrying, it says, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit. With all manner of prayer and entreaty. And to that end, keep alert. We've got to be watchful in the spirit. Alert spiritually. With all, with strong purpose and perseverance. See, it takes some persevering to do that. Because, you know, we want to stay in the natural. We have to purpose. And persevere to stay in, to step into the spirit. Amen. And then it goes on to say, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. Well, you know, another thing I used to teach in children's church was that there's all different kinds of prayer. Like there's all different kinds of sports. And each sports has its own rules. So you cannot play baseball with football rules. Amen. And you can't play tennis with baseball rules. It just doesn't work. And so um, you have to know the rules when it comes to praying. So I wanted to briefly go over a couple of the different ways that we um, can exercise prayer according to the scriptures. So let's first of all talk a little bit about the prayer of faith. You know, the prayer of faith is found in James 5.15, where it talks about if any are sick, let him call for the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith will what? Save the sick. Save the sick. Amen. Hallelujah. Then again in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it tells us about the prayer of faith that when, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Speak to the mountain. Amen. Verse 23 says, speak to the mountain. What things you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth. And so you've got to speak to the mountain. So the prayer of faith, that rule is you only pray the prayer of faith one time. And after you pray the prayer of faith one time, you you have to, first of all, have a scripture to stand on. What are you standing on? What promise in God's word applies to your situation? And then when you pray the prayer of faith, after that, you move into the next prayer. And that's the prayer of thanksgiving. Once you've prayed the prayer of faith, you just simply begin to thank God for the answer. You may not know how, but you know who. And if that's all you can say is, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. I just know you. And I know you're going to move heaven and earth. 
And he will. See, he just began to thank him for it. Thank him. And that's found in Colossians 4, 2. With thanksgiving. Or Philippians 4, 6. With thanksgiving. Amen? We offer thanksgiving in that place. Then, of course, there's the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 18, and 19. And in that prayer, you have to have two people. Let's go ahead and take a look at that. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, right there, that's the prayer of binding and loosing. It's a prayer of authority. Whatever you bind. If you have strife in your home, don't wait till it gets out of control. On On the onset, I take authority over that spirit of strife. That division that's dividing my family. I plead the blood. Amen. You foul spirit, you're not coming against me through that person. So you bind that spirit and you lose the spirit of peace in its place. So that's the prayer of binding and loosing. So let's go to 18. 19, I'm sorry. Again, I say unto you that if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall what? Ask. So you have to be two people in agreement and they have to ask. It shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Now you know, of course, the scripture tells us that you have to abide in the word. And the word has to abide in you. So that you're asking according to God's will. You can't just ask any old thing. You have to ask what's in line with the B-I-B-L-E. Because that's the book for me. Amen? Amen? So right there, I'm telling you. That is a... Sorry. That... That is the prayer of agreement. And it has power. So get yourself a faith buddy. And pray the prayer of agreement. And watch God move. So then there's the prayer of consecration. And the prayer of consecration is found in Matthew chapter 26. And that's where we see Jesus. Amen. He's, you know, on the mount of, and he he is uh, at Gethsemane and he is in uh, prayer. And he's praying, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So see, Jesus was in submission to the Father's will. And he prayed it. He asked the disciples, hey, stay awake with me and pray with me. And they couldn't stay awake and they fell asleep. And he came back to them. He says, hey, can't you watch? Can't you watch? Can we watch? Can we watch? Can we watch in prayer? The Bible says, Jesus said himself in that passage, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. See, prayer will keep you from entering into a place where you act on what you're tempted about. Being tempted isn't a sin. It's acting on it. So what's going to strengthen you? See, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So what does Jesus say to do? Pray. Pray the word. Amen. 
Renew your mind to the scriptures. And not yesterday's manna. You can't eat yesterday's manna. It's mildewed. That's what happened, remember? They tried to gather up all the manna, store it up for tomorrow. Doesn't work. You know? It's faith for today. It's rhema. What is God speaking to you about today? Amen? Amen. And that's what's going to put you over. So, when you pray the prayer of consecration, you're not praying the prayer of faith. Because the prayer of consecration is saying, Lord, your will. Show me your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Amen? And there's a difference. Hallelujah. Then that moves us into the prayer of intercession. Mm. Remember all types of prayer? Ezekiel 22.30 talks about standing in the gap. It's a position. Intercessory prayer is not praying for yourself. It's praying for others. That's the rule. And I'll tell you, when you position yourself to stand in the gap... You know, in the Old Testament, they would have a hedge. And the hedge would have a gap. And the gap would allow the enemy to come through. So they had to have one stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And so when you pray for people with intercessory prayer, you're standing in the gap. And you're making up the hedge so the enemy can't come through and infiltrate. Amen? You have a place. It's powerful. And God says that he will even deliver those whose hands are not innocent because of your prayers. Hmm. That's powerful. How about the prayer of worship? Oh, PT, you know about that. Will you just worship God? You know you were created to worship. And so you worship and something very supernatural happens. It's a full abandonment where you abandon yourself to God. And you acknowledge Him. Hallelujah. The prayer of worship. It's the highest form of prayer. How about the prayer of supplication? Again, found in Philippians 4, 6, where it talks about making your request known. Supplication. Making your request known. And then it goes on to say there in Philippians 4, 6, it talks about making your, your petitions Now, petitions is something different than a supplication, slightly different. In that, it's almost like a legal document where you write up a petition and you petition heaven. And that takes purpose. It takes time. It takes sitting before God so that you're hearing what he's saying to you. And you'll put in your heart desires and things so that he can give you the desires. So when you hear from him, maybe in the middle of the night, maybe driving down the street, write it down. 
And let that list become a list that God uses for you to make petition. He'll put vision in you. Without vision, people do what? They perish. Do we need a vision? Yes, we do. Should we be doing something bigger than our own hands? Yes, we should. Hallelujah. And so, the prayer of petition and supplication can be defined as a formal request addressed to a higher power, which is God. The prayer, this kind of prayer, it changes things. It's based on Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Do not go into the prayer of petition and supplication without knowing what you want to say and how you want to say it. Have your petition drawn up according to the word of God and then find out what God has already done about your situation as you see it, walk, as you walk it through. Amen? Amen. So that's the prayer of petition. How about the prayer of committal? The prayer of committal is when you purposely commit something to God. Pastor talked about that this morning. Once and for all. Amen? How many times do we have to do once and for all? As many times as it takes. Amen. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm casting the whole of the care, the worry, the anxiety over on you. Because why? You care for me. Amen. Amen. Did you know that worry doesn't produce anything but stress and strain and death? Don't you know that the whole Bible is against worry because Satan designed it? Don't you know that? We got to take that prayer of, you know, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And refuse, as Pastor said this morning. Take no thought saying. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. You know, when you cast all your cares, I think I've shared this before, that first word is a noun. Person, place, or thing. Cast all your care of the person, place, or thing. Over on him because he cares. And that's a verb. Verbs do what? Take action. So when you cast the whole of your care of that person, place, and thing over on God, God, you do it by faith, God takes what? Action in your behalf. Amen. Prayer of confession. Prayer of confession is found in where? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Faith has to be in how many places? Two. Where? In your heart and in your mouth. Amen? Glory to God. Okay, moving right along. The prayer, uh, prayer of warfare is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But guess what? The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, family. They're what? They're mighty through God, through the pulling down 
of strongholds, to the overthrow of strongholds. So use the prayer of warfare to overthrow strongholds in your life. How about praying in the spirit? Praying in the spirit is that place where you just begin to get in the flow of that current of prayer where the spirit of prayer comes on you and you'll begin to pray. And as you're praying, you'll even find yourself prophesying. You'll find yourself binding and loosing. You'll find yourself praying all these manners of prayers. Amen. As the Holy Ghost leads you in that river of prayer. And you'll flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In that current. And the current will move you along. And it's so powerful. And up from your belly will come mysteries. Things that you don't know in your own head. But as you pray in the Holy Ghost, what begins to happen? The Spirit of God in you, the Bible says, pray through you the perfect will of God. For we know not how to pray as we ought sometimes. But when we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmity, helps our weakness. And you'll begin to pray up and out of you mysteries. And things will come to light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for the river. Thank you for the river of life flowing out of us, Lord. Thank you for the river that makes the blind to see, the lame to walk. It sets the captives free. Thank you for that rushing, mighty river. Amen? And I'll tell you, sometimes you just flat out don't feel like it. But if you just, by faith. Remember perseverance? We had that word earlier. I'm going to persevere. And if you just do, I'm telling you, you'll get there every time. You'll get there every time. Hallelujah. You know what else happens when you pray in the Spirit? It addresses the root that's producing the fruit in people. And in situations. Because oftentimes people, they just look at the fruit and they get all like, you know, stressed out over the fruit. And they start speaking to the fruit. But that fruit is tied to a root. And you got to go back and you got to deal with the root. You got to pluck it up. Amen. You got to get that root out. Because it's a root of bitterness. And not only will it defile the person it's in, but it'll defile many. Amen? It's a root that's producing whatever fruit. But God is in the business of healing. He heals the brokenhearted. He restores the soul. He leads you. Amen? And guides you with pastures that are green, that you can eat from. By still waters. Amen. And even in the midst of things coming against you. Oh, hallelujah. What he will do for you. Amen. I encourage you to get there. Okay, so we've talked about prayer. So again, going back to our, um, uh, our, our uh, theme scripture. 
in Second Chronicles chapter 7, if you will humble yourself, his people, humble yourself, pray. Let's look at seek for just a minute. Seek. So, seek. Seek is to look in the word. When you seek for something, it's something you don't have in your possessions. You're looking for it. You're seeking for it. Amen? It's like, you know, when you look into the word, it's a living word. It's a living book. And it has words that will leap off the page into your heart and produce life on the inside of you. It's living. It's alive. Again, that rhema. So, as I was thinking about seeking, I was thinking about treasure. And I was thinking about diamonds. And how diamonds have so many different facets to them. And how you can look at a diamond one way and you can see one thing and you can turn it another way and see something else. They're called facets. And I thought, I want to know more about that. What is that, Lord? So I started doing a little research on facets. So I'm going to take somewhat of a side journey, but not really a side journey, because it ties back into exactly what we're, we're talking about. So in order to harvest a diamond, now listen up. You have to mine for it. You have to search for it. You have to search deep into the earth. Now, see, it comes from Sierra Leone, and it's one of the largest diamond uh, distributors in the world, right? Um, I'm telling you, if you live there, probably you're going to be, that's your lifestyle. Like, what was the example you gave to me about the harvest? If you're, if you, if you live, if you live where there's agriculture, you're going to do farming. If you live in Sierra Leone, you're going to mine for diamonds, okay? And so, um, it's, it's very, very hard work. And it takes a lot of patience. Um, diamonds have to be excavated from molten rock. It's called kimberlite. And miners, again, they have to seek for it. Like, like they really are seeking treasure. On the average, more than... Uh, 20 tons of kimberlite must be processed in order to procure one diamond. Wow. Wow. So it goes down very deep into the earth. They blast out all of that kimberlite and then they have to look through it. Now, the surrounding rock has to be crushed because the diamond just doesn't pop out. It's surrounded by the kimber kimberlite. And so the di it's called the diamond in the rough. Have you ever heard that? And you have to clear away the external kimberlite. You have to get the outer labor layers off the dirt, all the other stuff, so that the diamond can emerge. And when it does, you see it in all its, his, its brilliance and splendor, you know? And so the rough diamond doesn't always look like it has any value. I've seen them before. Sometimes it just looks like it's um, crystals, or sometimes it even looks dirty. Sometimes it, 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 it just looks like something that somebody would discard. It looks like it carries no value. To fulfill its purpose, it's got to be cut. It's got to be polished. But even then, you can't see its true value with the naked eye. You see, there has to be somebody that determines the value, that has a trained eye, that can look into the diamond, and they look for clarity. 
They look for color. They look at the weight of it. And then they look at the cut. You see, it has to be cut. So that, and it has to be cut by somebody that knows how to cut it. And you know what else? Only a diamond can cut a diamond. Interesting, huh? The diamond is the hardest substance. It's the hardest substance in the earth. You know, I thought about this. The same is true when we're speaking of harvesting souls. Tying that back into our message tonight. Many souls are diamonds in the rough. And many are very hardened on the exterior. And by looking on the outside, you cannot discern value oftentimes. Not with your naked eye. Because only God can look at the heart of man. And only God can move, amen, to see their full potential. And he knows how to cut the facets. You see, God will polish. We, we excavate through prayer. We excavate by going out and compelling them to come. And then we take care of that outer layer of stuff called discipleship. Amen? And we polish. And God cuts. And he knows how to cut the facets of each diamond, each soul, so that it shines in its greatest brilliance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As diamonds can only be cut by other diamonds, guess what? Souls can only be reached by other souls. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to assist in clearing away the outer layer so that the true person can emerge in all of their brilliance, in all of their splendor. And you know what, folks? If we're repulsed by sin in people's lives, guess what? We won't embrace them. You've got to allow the love of God to rise on the inside of you. It'll overshadow any other judgment. We can't miss opportunities to reach the harvest. Amen? We amen. We amen. We've got amen. Hallelujah. We've got to bring people into the family of God. They're diamonds in the rough, but they're diamonds no less. And they have tremendous potential. We need to see all people like diamonds. Jesus said they will know us. Why? Because of our love. So that goes for all groups of people. You may not agree with a certain group of people. You may not agree with their agendas. You may not agree with their lifestyles. But you are commanded to love them. What does that look like? What does it look like, church? Amen? Hallelujah. We got to stir it up. We got to stir it up. You know, Jesus gave us an example. He himself washed the feet of the disciples. Servanthood. That's one way you can reach others. By serving them. Find out what their need is. Sometimes it unlocks the key to their heart. And then, of course, there was like Zacchaeus. Amen? Remember Zacchaeus? He was not a popular guy. 
And he, he heard that Jesus was in town. And I want to turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10 in the NIV. And I want to read a little bit about him. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief what? Tax collector. That doesn't make you too popular. And not only that, he was under Roman rule. So it was the harshest of all taxes. And he was wealthy. Why? Because he cheated people. He wanted to see Jesus, who Jesus was. He had heard of him. But because he was short, actually, when you study that out, he probably had some disabilities. He might have been very short in stature because maybe he had, um, you know, just issues around his growth. Um, he could not see over the crowd, so he was very short. So what he had to do is he had to climb up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And he saw Jesus come in his way. Oh, what a day. Amen. Oh, what a day. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Hey, come down here. Come down immediately. Now, would you think that Jesus would say that to the man that everyone hated? That they despised? That they would have cast aside? Amen. That no one would pay attention to? Or they did because they, did, they had to. I must stay at your house, Jesus said, today. And so he muttered. He had gone to be the guest. People muttered. People heard him say, hey, I want to stay at your house, Zacchaeus, today. And people, religious people, they began to mutter. They began to complain. They began to judge. And they said, hey, he's going to be the guest at a sinner's house? What's up with that? But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have cheated, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them what? Four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to do what? Save the lost. So what was Jesus' attitude to the man on the street? What was Jesus' attitude to the thief? Even on the cross, did we not see mercy? Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's our example. Lord, help me to be like you. You know, see, Jesus will pursue you even when you're in sin. He did me. How about you? And he'll pursue you. Not because you have it all together. Amen. Glory to God. He won't wait until you get rid of all the stuff. He'll pursue you now. Hallelujah. Because he came to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, we're almost done. We're winding down. Let's look at crave. Because that's the next one. If you humble yourself, if you pray, if you seek, if you crave. 
Now, craving is an intense desire. How many of you have had cravings? We have, haven't we? For that which is good and maybe that which is not not so good. The dictionary says that it means to yearn, to hunger, to thirst for. And God, again, will work a desire in you that's his godly desire. As you allow him to, he'll give you desires for you to pray. Hallelujah. So you got to allow that to be cultivated in your heart, you see. Craving those things that he craves. What does he crave? He craves the harvest, the lost. He craves righteousness. Lord, I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. Amen? Require of necessity. God's face. That was the next one. And that's about petition. And we really have covered petition. Amen. Petitioning God. I'm requiring, Lord, of necessity. That means I need it. I can't live without it. I'm desperate for your face. When God's face looks at you, it just shines upon you. Amen. And then the next thing is to turn from your wicked ways. Pray, seek, crave, require of necessity, and turn from your wicked ways. And again, I just want to focus on, you know, attitudes of judgment could be a wicked way. There's so many things, selfishness, you name it. You could fill in the blank. But when praying in the Holy Spirit, he will always lead you to the mercy side. Amen. Very seldom will he have once pray judgment. Did you know that the mercy seat sets over the law in the Ark of the Covenant? God designed it that way. Because love covers the multitude of sin. Now again, I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand. I mean, I'm not talking about being codependent. Because God wants us to be uh, responsible and good stewards. I'm not talking about, um, you know, giving a handout, but giving a hand up. There's a difference, you know. And so my rule is you do your part. No more, no less. Because when you do more, then you're getting in God's way for God's hand to do something through God's other chosen vessel. If you do too less, then somebody misses out. So you've got to discern that in your heart. What is my part? And Lord, I know that you'll give me provision for my part. You see, you don't have resources to help everybody in the world. Did you hear me? You do not have time, energy, finances, focus to help everybody in your path. But you have something to give. Whether it's a smile A prayer, a word of encouragement, if it's something tangible, you do your part. No more, no less. Okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping us to understand boundaries. And sometimes if you step in to bear the consequences of another person's choices, they will never learn. 
Sometimes people have to feel it to make a change. Amen? Sometimes people have to hurt enough that they have motivation. Then they have to learn enough that they have knowledge to know how. Then they have to receive enough. That's the power of God in their life to be able to change. So all that goes into play. So then let's go back to the then. Then what's going to happen, body of Christ? What's going to happen, church family? Then we're going to hear from heaven. And then healing is going to flow. And God is going to heal our land. He's going to heal the land of your life. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what people say. It's going to go God's way. God is going to intervene in your life. And he is going to bring healing streams. He is going to put you on a path that is going to heal your life. And he's going to restore and so much more. He says he'll forgive sin as we petition heaven. Hallelujah. There's a lot to be forgiven. There's a lot to be received. You know, I just love people. And it's the love God's put in me. It's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, you know, we are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the world. And so how are we going to shine? We're going to shine in all our brilliance as we allow God's love God's mercy. Because in this dispensation, he's working through the body of Christ. Don't you know it? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this word tonight. Father, I'm so grateful to you for moving upon me in a deeper way. And Lord, you desire to do that in our lives. You desire to help us to see, oh, as you see through your eyes. So, Lord, help us to be better watchmen. Watchmen on the wall. You know, that's from a high position, not from the low position of where you're walking. But you have to come up to be on the wall. So that you can see from God's perspective what he wants you to see. Every life is redeemable. And God has a way to reach every person. And not only does he have a way, he has a desire. For he is not willing. To see that any perish. Amen. But that all. That's A-double-L. What's it mean? What's it mean in the Greek? All. All. (laughs) Should come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You know, I hope and I pray that this has encouraged you and stirred you up in your hearts tonight. And provoked you. To go into a deeper place in prayer. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in you. 
so that he can do a work through you. Amen.